Good, good. How you doing? Skype. So weird. I haven't used Skype since like 2003. Oh, it's <laughs> making a comeback. Welcome to episode 80 of Catching Foxes, discussion over instruction. So one of the great things about our show is we get to interview amazing people. This episode, we get to interview Aaron Gillespie. Aaron Gillespie coming from us over Skype. This is like Luke's dream come true. Aaron Gillespie of Under Oath fame. He also has um, some praise and worship albums and other, th other things out there that you can hear. Um, he is amazing, and he's an institution, and I think you'll find this a fascinating interview with someone who distinctly comes from outside the Catholic Church, but he is super eager to just get our perspective on stuff, which is always dangerous. Is it, is it easy, is it easy uh, to record this way or something? Super easy. Super yeah, easy. Once, once you get the hang of it, it's like... I don't have any issues now having an actual conversation over Skype, but it was kind of weird at first. Yeah, I've just never done it. I, I guess I always uh, have used, for interviews, it's always just a phone call. But I, I guess I haven't used Skype, gosh, probably since the first time we went to Europe and we were like 20. Just to call home, <laughs> just to call home. Our our assistant had to make make me a Skype account for this interview. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, well, I'm sorry about that. I feel bad. Mm. Um, I really want to do this. This yeah. is really yeah. cool. You have you have no idea how excited Luke is about this. <laughs> <laughs> and I said that no. just to make him feel uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Discomfort is the mother of all invention. Right? That's in the Bible. It's <laughs> yeah. in the Bible somewhere. The Bible. I'm sure of it. Yeah, the Farmer's Almanac. <laughs> farmer's Almanac. It's kind of in yeah. the back. So I'm Luke. This is my buddy Gomer. Hello. Hello, Gomer. And our podcast is, uh, I mean, I would hate to call it a Catholic podcast, but that's what we get we get grouped into that. And Are you guys like funded by a diocese or something or anything like that? Or is no, it just... no, no, it's no. just me. I fund Luke. <laughs> yeah. So, so is it a Catholic podcast because you're both Catholic? Is that why it's Catholic? I'd say so. And I mean, like that's what we talk about. I actually work for an arch, and okay. he works at a parish, a church. So, like that's our world. We're both in ministry. Yeah. Um, gotcha. And so it's just kind of but, like, but his uh, does not want to be affiliated with our podcast in any way, shape or form. So we don't even mention his last name as per his HR's request. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah. that is, um, a bureaucracy at, at its finest. So, um, and then like our goal is to just like, um, really I kind of had the inspiration after hearing bad Christian, um, I think it was Matt just said, like, I wish other people would just, like, have their own podcast. And I was kind of like, damn it, I'm going to do one. So I uh, called up Gomer, and we just started uh, to do this. And um, So this is new. How, how old is this? About two years um, and probably about one and, one and a half years of, like, having an episode being uh, released every week. So, so, so you guys are doing some con, just the two of you kind of talking about mm -hmm. Life, love, and other mysteries, to quote some old bullshit. <laughs> yes. 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 Gotcha. I think the best interviews, man, are just conversations. You know, if you listen to 
I mean, all the great podcasts now, uh, WTF, uh, obviously I love bad Christian too. I've known Matt for 20 years. I mean, I think that, I, I think that the best content you get with someone is when you have a conversation, you know, it's like, if you go to a bar and sit with two friends and you guys have two or three cocktails and have a conversation, it's going to be, you know, I do so many, um, phone interviews lately, um, because <laughs> under Oath got back together and. Typically, I mean, there are great ones, obviously, and it's a flattering thing that anyone wants to interview you, you know, so, but typically it's the same questions over and over again. I think that, you know, an actual conversation really lends itself to, to listeners finding out information that they may have not known about someone that they're interested about. And I think it makes, I think it makes lifelong friends too, if you have the right conversation, Oh, you know, and, it, yeah. and in this, in this business, it's like, it's such a weird life we all live, you know, and I think that meeting someone and making a real connection uh, is kind of priceless, you know, especially mm -hmm. um, when you're meeting people that are from different walks of life and, you know, that, that have different interests than you do. And uh, I don't really know much about Catholicism at all. I mean, I know what I've read in school and um, I'm kind of an avid reader um, anyway, but I, you know, I don't know much about Catholicism. So this is in probably as interesting to me as it is to you, which is why, uh, to be frank, um, I even said yes to do this. Uh, oh, sweet. Awesome. So, nice. Yeah. I, nice. I thought Thank it was really you. interesting that some Catholic dudes wanted to interview me. So. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, because I was always like, so like, this is how we start. We just kind of go and see what happens. Yeah, it's fine. Um, I don't care. I was always like the weird Christian rock kid when I was in my youth group, in school, um, when, when we got to college, I kind of like introduced everyone to like, Hey, here's this great band called blindside. Like they're really cool. Um, yep. here's so did me you grow you. up? Hold on. Sorry. Sorry. Did you grow friend. up Catholic? Yeah. Or did you grow up? Okay. Gotcha. So, so I was Christian school. Gotcha. Yeah. So I was in a, um, uh, charismatic, a community as a kid and, um, my parents were like Uber Catholic charismatic type. So praying, doing the, uh, speaking in tongues, being slain in the spirit, all of that's like second nature to me. And so gotcha. my, my parents were real into Amy Grant and that opened up this world of like, Hey, here is Christian music. And I just like bought into it hook, line, sinker. And so, um, why, like gotcha. I wanted to, why I wanted to have like you on is because like that world is a thing like, I know a lot about it and our listeners kind of don't, they just know like Matt Marr is big now. And like Audrey yeah. Assad's big. So like, that's like, yeah, yeah, we have like, you know, like our own in there. And I kind of have this a perspective of like, like I wanted to work at a tooth and nail when I was in college. Like that was like my dream <laughs> job, you know, as like, you know, like everyone else. Like actually, uh, he had the t-shirt and everything all, all the time. And I, who see, I feel like I represent the audience listening to this because exactly when I are. hear Christian music, I think of a handful of things. I think of hymnals. Right, I think of super corny music, and then I think of all the fun stuff that Luke introduced me to in college that I still listen to all of those exact same things. And so, but I'm totally, I'm <laughs> right. totally, Luke's like, you'll never freaking believe who we got to come on the show. And I'm like, who? And he's like, Aaron Gillespie. And I'm like, yeah. <sighs> okay, I'm Googling. <laughs> I'm Googling a bunch of stuff Who's right that? now. Yeah. But, but the no. funny thing. But the funny thing yeah, is, because of Luke, yeah, because of Luke, we all, a whole bunch of us like music that we would never have heard, number one, 
or never have liked if Luke didn't sit us down with albums and be like, no, this is what makes this awesome, and here's the backstory about this and all this stuff. Yeah. And, that's, and that's why we love it. And that's, that's how I found out about Under Oath and, you know. That's all, cool. Yeah, all of those guys, yeah. It's interesting. I, you know, I grew up in, we all grew up in Under Oath in Tampa, Florida, and there was two large-ish, well, I don't know if you know this or not. There's only really 26 or I think there's 26 or 28 Christian stations in all of the country. Um, mm-hmm. And we, and we had two, one was called the joy FM, which was like, it's, I think it's still there. I don't listen to Christian radio. I haven't listened to Christian radio in probably 20 years, but uh, it was like really contemporary CCM, you know, Mike W. Smith, uh, whatever, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then there was another one called spirit FM that was part of the Archdiocese of Tampa. And yep. they were as widely listened to as the Joy FM, but it was this Catholic station. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah, but they uh, didn't, you know, on Sunday morning was the only time you knew it was a Catholic station. Yep. Or if they were doing like an ID and they would say funded by the Archdiocese of Tampa or whatever. But on, on Sunday morning... Um, they did mass. They had mass, you know, like, uh, I don't know where it was from, if it was from, um, which community it was from, but it was, it was streamed in. Right. Um, but they played like more of the left leaning Christian music. So, (laughs) and the funniest thing about that is they didn't even know that I bet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They would play under oath at night. Um, you know, even when I put out, I put out two worship records, uh, kind of the last one came out a few years ago. And I, I, you know, they were the only station in my hometown that would play it. The big main CCM station wouldn't touch it. Um, and I, you know, I mean, we could, bro, we could go for two hours on just that right there. Um, but I find it super interesting that you guys, you know, that, that Luke, you were like the, the spurning, uh, thing to turn your friends on to all these bands. That's really, that's really interesting to me. You know, uh, you know, just two Catholic guys and 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 one kind of tainted the other with music. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Let me tell you about no. Brave Saint Saturn for oh. Five Hundred Frenzies side band. I would I would literally yeah. explain that. Yeah, it's. Inter- I was having a conversation. I was. I I'm in my travel schedule and crazy, so I've been awake like. Or is it the night I was in Australia 10 days ago and then I was in New York all weekend. So I'm like so screwed up. I've been waking up at 3 a.m. and just keep in the craziest hours. So but I had a uh, had a really interesting conversation. Uh, I was in Vancouver last week after, right after I got home and I was talking to a guy who's a Christian pastor. And I, I really to be to be frank and to kind of explain a little bit of, you know, maybe the way I'll answer some of your questions is I. I'm a believer 100%, but I don't really know where I stand uh, with organized religion at this point in my life, um, mm-hmm. or uh, or Christian music for that matter, mm-hmm. um, as as a as a commerce. Um, yeah, and I'm sure that if you've read any of my recent interviews, you probably can see a lot of that. Um, I did play at a buddy's church on Sunday and had a really cool experience. So I, I think for me, it just has to be the right scenario, and I just. You know, I don't attend church every Sunday, and I just don't think that I've figured out for my, for me and for my family and for myself what that looks like. And this that's coming off of a two-year painful divorce and kind of going through a lot of bullshit. All mm-hmm. that to say, um, I had a conversation with a buddy uh, over the weekend. 
um, and we were talking about denominations, you know, Catholicism and Lutheran Church and the Episcopalian Church and the non-denominational church and and the, the, the slain in the spirit craziness church that you grew up in. I grew up in the same one. Um, so <laughs> it's interesting because we get denominations from where? It's from a it's from a man-made thing, right? I mean, that's where that's where it comes from. What we have is 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 in the Bible we have the Transfiguration and we have um, the Great Commission, which is which is you know go into the world and make disciples of all men. And there was you know eleven guys standing there, and, and I I don't think it went down like this. I don't think Jesus was like, yo, dude, so you're the Catholic guy and and Bartholomew, you're the fringe guy that says shit every once in a while, and and mm-hmm. you know I don't think that happened. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that everything we have as far as the church is from, is from, a, is from, a, hold on just one second. Asking me a question. What? No, bring him on. Yeah, that's medicine. Yeah. He's five. Um, so, yeah, you know, I don't, it's all, a, it's all a man-made thing. You know, like we, we made that up, like as we went along, like the fathers of the modern church, we don't even know if they were friends. You know what I mean? Like we know that they. The two of the disciples were mama's boys, you know, like, so I think it's hard, man. It's really hard to go. No, it's true. I mean, it's really, it's really hard to go like, oh, I listen to this type of music because I believe in this, or I was sheltered because I believe in this. Because now as I've gotten older and you start to study and you start to dig, it's like, well, I don't get it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. And that's, that's what's, that's, that's kind of where I've been left at. Like, you know, with, with music is the fact that I think that, you know, there was those two stations, the Catholic one played, played our music. But was that because, you know, we believe I grew up in a super Southern freaking crazy charismatic home, you know? And if someone said they were Catholic to you, you didn't even, I mean, they might as well have said that they scored high on some subject you'd never heard of. We didn't, I didn't even know what it meant growing Mm -hmm. up. You know what I I mean? mean, Like, yeah, I can remember uh, being at a, Christian store and they had like, like the, how to speak at the Catholic section. And I was just like, what? Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I mean, I just had never really dawned on me yet that like there was that much of a split. And I was like, huh. When you look huh. at, when you look at my parents' generation, my, my dad just turned 70. Um, they were raised in inner city, Philadelphia, these, the great ethnic enclaves of, uh, you know, like the great, the Northeast neighborhoods. Right. And uh, yeah, my yeah. my mom can still tell she can still remember the day when she met her first Protestant, you know. And they just grew wow. up. I mean, they went to Catholic schools. You went to the you went to mass around the street. They didn't have money. The thing that they did for vacation was my mom's. Uh, everyone but my grandfather would go to the Jersey Shore. You know, go to the boardwalk, go to the water. You know. And that's right, it. And then yeah, they would come yeah. back and they would all go as, in these massive families of 30, 50 people would all go. And you knew everyone. And everyone went to mass when you were down there at, you know, St. Anthony's over there in, uh, on the boardwalk or whatever. And you came home. My dad used to sit with a, a baseball bat at the corner of his neighborhood to make sure, like, uh, dirty Italians didn't come into his Irish neighborhood. So, <gasps> Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dirty Italians. Uh, well, I mean, he, he, ins- he, he, he insists it wasn't that bad, but he had he had a baseball bat. So uh, they, you know, it, it's Gosh. all it's all this fascinating stuff. But uh, one of the things that I'm hearing a lot lately is, um, you know, you, you have like the emergent church movement. You have um, just younger evangelical Christians who are 
uh, unsatisfied or even repulsed by um, the over like capitalist marketing hype of a mega church that so often dominates a landscape. You know, the marketing speak and all this stuff. One of the things sure. that I'm encountering is a lot of people becoming, especially in that evangelical world, becoming um, doing a lot less. Like they'll they'll do more mission trips and more social justice stuff, which makes them seem kind of like left leaning, but it's just that they're dissatisfied with a rhetoric that is so centered on like organizational principles and you know like this very suburbanized i guess version of the gospel i don't know yeah i don't it's it's so 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 interesting because i think that i've kind of gone through i mean i'm i'm 34 um and i'm so i'm not i'm not you know but i'm 33 sorry but i've been through all the phases i feel like yeah you know Mm -hmm. being really really zealous and then kind of being super like evangelical and then being one way or being another way. And I feel like, you know, in, in my 33rd lap around the sun and under us back together and I, you know, I have a five-year-old and I'm a divorcee and, and all of these things, I feel like what I have kind of distilled it all down to for me is that there just is no answer. You know, there is no, there's no plain answer to say, this is the way it is. This is the right way to do it. You know, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know that answer. And I think that you get more and more intellectual and you kind of try to disprove things or prove that your way is the right way or prove that this is that way or prove that it's that. You just can't, you know, you, you, you can't, because I, I think that's the point. I think the point is for you to wonder, you know, I think once wonder gets taken away from something is when it's not real at all. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like my mother, my mother, for instance, my mom is 63 and she's just this God-fearing woman who's super straight-laced. She's never had a drink in her life. She's never smoked in her life. Um, and when I was a kid, like, and I'm going to keep you referencing this because it's interesting to me to be on the phone with you guys and this and having this type of conversation. But <laughs> when I was a kid, she would like if someone was Catholic, like I would go to someone's house who was Catholic, and I I I, oh, I could have said, oh, they also have cocaine. Like that would have been <laughs> not. Like yeah. that would have been not as bad as saying they were Catholic. Yeah. But mm-hmm. now, but now my mom isn't like that anymore, you know, and, and she still has her same beliefs and practices, but I don't mm-hmm. know if it's because she has two boys who are like very out in the world doing things, or if she has come to her own realizations that she doesn't even know. And, and if you had a conversation with her, she wouldn't admit to that. Like I just did, you know, but she would, she wouldn't anymore say, you know, I could call her tonight and go, I just had a conversation with two Catholic dudes for an hour about whatever the hell we wanted to. And she would be like, okay, why are you waking me up? I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and yeah. stop using but the word hell. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. When I was 15, it, I mean, it would literally be like me saying I got the neighbor girl pregnant. You know what I mean? Mm, that I, yeah. I, I talked about Catholicism for an hour. She wouldn't even understand it. So I think, I don't know if the world is becoming, and, and it's expressly the, the, the world of believers is becoming more tolerant and understanding of each other, or if people are just beginning to give up the fact that they just don't know. Um, so yeah, I don't know, man. That's, that's, that's so interesting. Like that you can consume all of your time trying to find the why or the how. Uh, and I've kind of just given up on that, to be honest with you. You know, I, I, I have certain things that I believe in and even on a day-to-day basis, sometimes I question those. Yeah. And I think coming to a place in your life where you can go, Oh, that's okay. You know? Yeah. Like it's yeah. it's totally 
it's totally fine to realize. And what really gives me peace is, is the biblical notion that the modern church was designed by some dudes who didn't know what they were doing, you know, and they kind of made it up along the way. Like the more I read the Pauline epistles and the more I think about these things, those guys were just figuring this shit out. You know what I mean? And then they died and the next group of guys figured it out. And then the reformers tried to figure it out. And then, you know, it's just, it's just been going for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years and I think that there's just no end to that, you know, and I don't I obviously and I'm, probably not in our lifetime. We'll find the answer, but maybe kids will or their kids will or whatever, you know. So that's kind of my two cents on that whole thing. Well, one of the things that um, really like hit me because like I've gone through a I mean, like everyone on on our podcast has like heard this a million times. But I've gone through some like extreme doubt where I'm just like. I should be an agnostic probably if I'm being, like, if I'm being really, sure. really like honest here. And one of the things that I always go back to, and this was like kind of, so like in high school, I was pretty much a Protestant who loved his Catholic faith. If that makes any type of sense at all. And, gotcha. um, no, it does. and so when I was, um, in Rome, we went under uh, the Vatican and to like see St. Peter's bones, like like where he's buried, and it's where the a traditional like site of like where he is. And you're in your and and so like it's basically built on top of this old like Roman um, place from around the like first or second century, and you're able to see the inside of this really old church and it just reminded me of like any catholic church that i've been to like here are some icons here's the altar here's this or just like here's where like all this like stuff happened and i um and i was kind of like i've always gone back to that as a huh like there's like there's some things that have that have kind of like stayed there a little bit and like i'm not crazy for you know starting to think that perhaps there's more to this catholic stuff than what like i might be right to not right so how to, but like, it might not be a bad idea to keep diving into this just because of the sure. history of you know, the whole yeah. thing. But it's, it's, um, and like, I, I, I don't like mean that as like any kind of uh counterpoint or or, or anything uh, to yours. It's just like, it just kind of reminded me of that. And just, I mean, like, there, there are like uh times where. The only thing that kept me in my like in like in my like to like still identify as as a believer would be like a gasoline heart album. Now I'm like he's experiencing like my pain right now. I get what he's saying there, and he seems to be kind of holding on, so I'm going to as well. Which is why like I feel like music is so important, and because it can kind of uh, provide those like moments of like of like almost of a communion. Where you're just like, oh, I get this, I understand sure. what's really going on here, and it's um, because I'm like, honestly, I think it's really hard to uh, believe now, just because within our postmodern age, it's almost like seen as like a dumb thing too, and it does make sense as to why it could be dumb if you don't have any real experience of of Christ. Like if I never encountered Him, I would not uh, believe now. There's just like no, there's no real reason to. I don't, I don't. Also, inform, information is so, so available, obviously, you know, so you can mm -hmm. you can Google Google anything and there'll be a hundred thousand reasons why something mm -hmm. works or doesn't work or is true 
or isn't true. Just just the other day, I had the flu when I got off a plane from Australia. So I looked up this. I don't know if you've ever seen it. These, there's a little tube. They're called uh, I don't know if I can say the word right. Oxococcillium. It's like a homeopathic. You can buy it at the drugstore, the grocery store. It's like a homeopathic. Uh, it's supposed to link. It's supposed to shorten the life of the flu, and it worked. Mm. Like it mm-hmm. really worked. And I remember going online and just Googling, what's the ingredient in oxococcillium or whatever? And Mm -hmm. half of it was about how it was a hoax. And the other half was about how it was real. And, you know, I think that there's, I think that's a big part of it. There's so much information at at your fingertips that you can disprove anything or you can prove anything. And when we were kids, you know, when I grew up going to church camp and, and kind of, knowing that that was the only life that I was going to be able to ever lead and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There wasn't, I didn't have the option. You know what I mean? It was like, you believe this or you're blacklisted and your life is over. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think that's the difference is, is you have so much space now to find whatever you want to find. You know, you can, I can, I can look online somewhere and divulge that it's okay to smoke cigarettes somehow, even though we all know that it will kill you. But somebody somewhere is saying you can have five cigarettes a day and survive and be fine as long as mm-hmm. you do these three things. Work out on the treadmill, you know, eat X and Y. Like you can you can prove or disprove anything now. It's 2017 mm-hmm. on the Internet. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that the difference is is now, like you're saying, it's almost stupid to say you believe in God because there's so many things that disprove it. You know what I mean? But And again, that's where like on a soul level, um, you have to experience something, yeah. you know, like you just said, cause otherwise, what do you have? You know, you've got to experience it on like a, on a non cerebral level, um, which is hard mm-hmm. for a lot of people to accept, yeah. you know? And I think, how old, how old are you guys? 34. Uh, we, I'm 34 as well. Okay. So we're all the same age. Mm-hmm. So you, you've, you've seen that You've seen that in, in our age, and probably starts about twenty six or twenty seven. People start to start to question, start to ask things, mm-hmm. and start to see things a different way. And I, you know, I think that's that's the difference between somebody who searches for an experience with Christ um, or searches for the answers, because the answers typically aren't going to be there. <laughs> you know, you have to have that experience to believe anyway. So, yeah. That's my two cents. Yeah, me growing up, I was uh, I was the uber Catholic kid raised in an uber Catholic family. I mean, my mom was the director of our religious education program at our church. She she ran all the classes and stuff like that. And uh, so I was always brought up in it. But you know, there was this huge point in my life where I just wanted to run away from it all because it was it was everywhere. You know, my you know being raised in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, we had some awesome friends. <laughs> yeah i love the commentary in the background um yeah uh but no Sorry. like we no you're you're good but we had some great non-catholic friends especially our neighbors but i at school faced huge fundamentalist backlash against catholics i mean the ku klux klan used to burn crosses in front of my church uh and wow. so yeah so you, you know papists and they were it was a polish polish religious order that would um that served out there but i mean by the time I got around, it, not, there was nothing Polish about it other than the one priest still left. So, so it was very bizarre, you know, like kind of navigating all this stuff where you're taught, where I was taught my whole life, like you got to keep your dukes up when it comes to 
uh, especially fundamentals. I mean, plenty of Lutherans that didn't care or whatever, but you were you were going to town with all these fundamentalist Christians, Southern Baptists, Baptists, and they all thought your Pope was the Antichrist, and they would tell you that. So that it, was you, the, it was the same. It was the yeah. same on your end as it was on my end. Yeah. God, that's so weird. Yeah. So we would just that's sit. Wild. Yeah. So we for us the biggest thing was, you know, I, I was never taught that a non-Catholic Christian wasn't really a Christian, but almost, I would say almost all the people at my school, including my teachers, would would believe that about Catholics, that, that Catholics are not Christians. And so, uh, I mean, I, I could tell you, I, I remember one year, I was in fourth grade, there were sermon series at four different churches on the cult of Catholicism. And I'm like, you, you guys know me, you know I'm not in a cult, you know I love Jesus Christ, I believe he's risen from the dead, I'm, you know, you know we believe the same things, for the most part we have the same New Testament like we're not, I don't have extra books on top of the Bible. Like there's not like a book of Mormon over here and a, a book of Pope John Paul II over here. You know, we don't, we don't do that. We're all the same thing. I, I remember one Good Friday, I, my family, we always skipped school or work on Good Friday and we would just stay home praying and stay home, keep it low key. And by praying, I mean, I was a little kid, so I just play, but, uh, you know, we would do some, <laughs> we would do some stuff at church, you know, you do like an hour, hour and a half at church and do some different things. And then on Monday I walked in and my teacher's like, Michael, I missed you on Friday. Where were you? And I said, Oh, I was at home. Uh, I took the day off. And my teacher's like, well, I, I saved a new Testament for you because I really, and my teacher at my public school passed out new Testaments on good Friday. Uh, cause you could do that in Oklahoma in the eighties and nineties. Uh, and she passed and she, she, she handed this, she was about to hand it to me and she goes, what were you doing? And I said, well, my family, my dad takes off of work and we all just like we pray as a family and and we read some scripture and then we go to mass or then we go to the the good friday service and we do a veneration of the cross and and then we just kind of you know we don't really like do entertainment or anything like that and we just and she's like oh oh well, i'm just i'm just going to hold on to this then <laughs> like like okay <laughs> like i'll never forget and she put her little green new testament and psalms and proverbs back in her purse and she's like Okay, I, I didn't realize you did this. Nice. Okay. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's so weird because I think that, you know, we all come from these different places and we all have these different, you know, the three of us is what I mean. Well, everyone, but, um, you know, that music music has kind of been the common thread, you know, and it is the reason why we're on the phone. And I think it's super interesting that that music is 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 that thing. That in a way, it's like it can make you angry, it can make you sad, it can be a salve for hurting times. And I think that that's why, to me, I've always just gravitated towards music being like like the, the biggest explainer to me, if yeah. you will, on like on, on spiritual matters, especially, you know, um, just because, dude, I, I just there's so much bullshit out there and there's so many opinions and there's so many things that can your upbringing and my upbringing are so different, but they're kind of exactly the same, you know, and we can both, yeah, and we can both sort of glean whatever we want from that. But for yeah. me, music has just been the thing that to me is like the barometer. You know what I mean? Like, and you know, when something mm-hmm. is, you know, when something is, uh, is real and when it isn't, yeah. you know? Um, mm-hmm. and I think just for, for me growing up, it, you know, I never, never understood why my parents didn't like Catholic people. And I never understood why I, you know, I, I've actually heard this statement made before. Um, 
uh, they're Catholics. They're not Christians. Yeah. You know, I've, I've actually heard, I've actually heard that. Um, and, and not until I was in high school, like probably freshman or junior year or that I did I sophomore year that I really realized that like, nah, that's not really a valid statement. Number one. And number two, like, why does it matter? And that's when I found that Catholic radio station that was playing like blindside and switchfoot and, you know, all the music that, you know, the people that eventually became my peers, um, you know, they were the only ones that were doing it because just joy FM was playing like, like, cheese ball like mm-hmm. Mike <laughs> w., like Mike W. Smith and stuff which I which I think is great now but when I was a kid I didn't understand it you know right, right so right. Um, at, so for me music has always been the great barometer where these guys are just like you know we're Catholics and the Christian station was a mile away from them but they're like we're just gonna we're gonna play this music because we believe in it and we believe what it's saying and we believe what mm-hmm. it means and that's it yeah. you know what I mean like I, I'm so to like, me, that's just the greatest equalizer. Yeah, I'm like so. I'm like pretty uh, surprised by that because I'm used to the Catholic Church always being like ten years uh, behind. So like, <laughs> yeah. whatever other Protestant church is doing, you know, we're always a good. I mean, like right now, we're like you know what we need a discipleship groups. That's what which we like absolutely do. But it's like uh-uh. just, just now. So uh-uh. I know what you're doing. I know that you've been trying to do it for like a long time. Um, <laughs> wow, <laughs> we, it's and, a it's and, a standard and, argument we have. <laughs> Wow, that's wild. Yeah, so like, you know, and just, I mean, but like, but if you, but then if you like go, if uh, you look at the history of the Catholic Church, that's always been there. It's just in the past, I would say like three or four, like probably about three to four decades or so that the Catholic Church here kind of like went through an identity crisis. And so... It just took a lot of it, it, and like we just lost a, a lot of ground. And I don't, I don't like mean that in terms of territory. Just, just more of like, what's our purpose here? You know, is it sure? Are we? Because like it, it, it kind of almost became all about how do we like serve the community, which is great, and that's and I and I am not trying to take away from that, but we kind of uh, forgot that we're also supposed to proclaim Christ crucified. You know, gotcha. and it just so it just kind of like I'm like wow, there was a Christian station because I mean honestly, like I was always the only one, and people would be shocked when they heard that I was a Catholic. You know, it was like, um, yeah, it was nuts. So just like all like our listeners, and we're you know like all, we are like already halfway through here, um, who like don't who like really like don't know you. Could you just like give like a really quick explanation of like what you do? Oh gosh, I don't know what I do. I know. Who are you? I I grew up in Florida uh, in a Christian home, which is what we've deduced. And I think we both had so many, so much, so both parties here had so much invested in asking questions that we kind of got ahead of ourselves. But um, yeah, I, you know, I, I uh, started playing in a band called Under Oath when I was 15. Um, Fast forward, the band sold millions of records. I quit. Started a band called The Almost, played drums in Paramore for a few years. Under Oath just got back together about a year ago. Um, so we're right in the middle of that now. Big touring season. We did, uh, we've been touring for about a year straight. So we got back from Australia about two weeks ago. Um, and then we leave, I leave on Saturday morning to start another tour in the U.S. And then we go to Russia and Europe and 
England. Um, and I also have a solo career uh, just under my name. Um, I own a studio. Uh, I got a five-year-old. Um, I live in the mountains in Utah, which is actually – I live in Salt Lake City right uh, about a block from the Mormon main temple. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, and then I also have – I grew up in Florida, so I also still have a place there. Uh, my ex-wife is from here, so we're great friends and saw it prudent that we you know, be around her family, and she has a mm-hmm. bunch of sisters for my little boy. Um, so, yeah, man, that's, I got the abridged version. Um, just making a lot of music still and kind of, kind of in the prime of my career, which is super interesting to say at 33, especially the music career kind of expires quickly, you know? Yeah. Um, so to be in the prime of my career at 33 is really cool. So, yeah. I was actually just listening to define the great line, which is an album of yours that came out in 2006, I think. And I was very surprised by how well that, uh, held up. So a good job with that. Yeah, like, that's, that one, that's that's not bad. That one worked, man. It's it's really interesting. That one we just did, you know, we just did a big ten year anniversary for that record. We're still like kind of halfway in the middle of it. We we did this tour called Rebirth when we first got back together, which is we played our two big seminal albums kind of front to back, which is a record mm-hmm. called They're Only Chasing Safety and then Define the Great Line. Uh to the biggest crowds we'd ever headlined to actually. Um and we did the best business we've ever done and you know in, in 15 years of being a band. So we're kind of in the middle of that now. We did the U.S. leg, uh, and then we spent the summer doing a bunch of festivals, not doing that, just playing a regular set. Uh, and then we just did the Australian leg, and then we're going on tour in a week with the, a band called Bring Me to the Horizon, which is the largest band in the genre now. And that's just a regular – we're opening for them, for them actually, direct support. Mm-hmm. And that's just a regular show. And then we're taking the Rebirth thing to Europe and Russia – in England. Um, and then that'll finally close the chapter on that. So it's going to, it's taken about two years to kind of circumference the globe, um, with that thing. So yeah, man, that kind of leaves me where I'm at currently. Um, so yeah, I'm just home for a few days trying to, I've had the worst jet lag I've ever had in my entire life. Um, man, I, I've been to Australia 25 times. I've never had it this bad. Ever like I like you know now where I'm at right now it's eight forty. I'll go to bed. I'll be so tired in an hour that I won't be able to hold my eyes open, and then I'll go to bed at ten o'clock and be awake at three a.m. That's oh. my day. It's the worst, dude. I'm dying over here. I cannot <laughs> figure it out. Then I'm not like... one of those people that's gonna pop his annex and go to bed. I just won't do it. You know, not my style. So, yeah. All my Dying. buddies that like um, ha- that like uh, have a whole bunch of kids because we are Catholic and everyone just procreates with you know abandonment. Um, <laughs> it sounds like their life. Like that sounds like you, Gomer. Kind of like when you're like have another kid or something. Yeah. Uh, I just I don't know how, how many you guys kids do, do you have, Gomer. I have four, and the oldest one is six. Oh my god. Oh yeah, swinging for the fences, baby. That's how I do. <laughs> what are you? T- Dude, you need to get you need to have a procedure done on your penis to make it not work anymore. Nope, nope, nope. The only procedure I'm having done on my penis is to make it a little bit smaller because it's intimidating at its massive size right now. Point counterpoint. Really? Yeah. Are you no. really gonna keep going? Uh, I don't know. We talked about it. She's open. I have a friend, the same guy I was talking to you guys about earlier in Vancouver. He's got six. Yeah. It's awesome. Like I'm, yeah. I'm, 
Listen, here's the deal. I was, we were just talking about this today. People are like, how do you do it with four young kids? And there's a handful of answers you can give. One, sure. we're, not, we're not really doing it. We're just hanging on by a, a skin of our teeth. But the other thing is, the older the oldest one gets, the more responsibilities the oldest one gets. That's why the oldest one is so damn responsible. Oh but the, <laughs> as, as you get older, or as you have more kids, you are forced to create a system. You are forced just to make it happen. So my kids, starting at the age of like two and three, start setting the dinner table and all this stuff. And they all have their own little jobs, and they all are terrible at them for the first like year and a half. But they all do this. And as you go through it, you just – and plus my wife is a super type A, lists upon list planner, and she she's super organized. So uh, my wife – she stay at home. Uh, we did that after I was able to – we cut our life to the bone so that she could move home on a youth minister's salary, which is what I was at the time. Um, but, yeah, we made it work. Wow. And uh, that's been the biggest blessing to me, having my wife at home. It's huge. But um, yeah, I mean, Dude, with four kid, if it was four kids, you would spend more money on daycare if she had a job than she probably could make. Yeah, I mean that I that's, mean, that was the tipping point. We had our kids with a heavily discounted thing at the church church educational program daycare thing, and it was the best possible situation. But it still costs us six hundred dollars a month of a youth minister's salary. And so when we started adding all that stuff up, we're like, well, if we just shave to the bone here and here and here, we can totally do this, and we did. That is un real yeah it's not i mean my my yeah like i there is a difference when you have a big family but i would not i would not trade it for anything i love i mean obviously i wouldn't trade any of my now existing children for anything (laughs) well billy daddy daddy wants a car so you gotta go um but uh i don't know you just get in this mentality where it just becomes the new normal it i don't feel like Oh man! Like all my friends have are having their third kid right now, um, in my immediate circle. They they're all on their third, sure. and they're like, "What do we do?" And I was like, "The hardest is going from two to three because you're outnumbered." And then, but going from three to four, piece of cake, piece of cake. You're you're in all hand me downs now. You're not spend. You're not hemorrhaging think cash. Of that because you're outnumbered. <laughs> <laughs> all the uh, two of the guy, three of the guys in under oath. There's six of us. Two have no kids. I have one, and three of them have three each. Yeah. Um, and I just can't. I can't. I. I can't. I hear the conversation you're having uh-huh. with me. I just <laughs> can't fathom it. Like I, mine's five. He wipes his own ass. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. I just you're put him. Good. I just told him to go back to his room. Like, you know. And also, you know, with having a divorce, and I just don't know from. For my life, you know, you never say never, you know, but I just don't, I don't, I can't imagine doing that again. You know, like you're saying with, like I'm saying with the no sleep, et cetera, et cetera. I, dude, when he was born, my ex-wife, she had an emergency C-section. So for the first few weeks of his life, she couldn't do anything. Yeah, my wife the same way. I mean, she, I mean, she could, but it was like very laborious to do anything. And so I took a 90 day sabbatical. I didn't do anything for 90 days. Um, and I'm the kind of guy that flies 200,000 miles a year, you know, like Mm -hmm. I'm a super busy dude. So when I'm home, I have my kid now five days a week, which is awesome. Um, he's here now. You heard him earlier, but I, you know, it's, it's really interesting. Like I, I was so, I don't remember people ask me all the time. What was the first three months? Like, wasn't it beautiful? My own mother was like, 
oh, isn't the first three months gorgeous? I'm like, I have no fucking clue. I was <laughs> sleep deprived. <laughs> you know I, mean? I couldn't even. I couldn't All even, I know is that I saw I through time once. It was crazy. <laughs> I, dude, no, I mean, it's it's so interesting. And Jamie, that's my ex-wife and I, will have conversations. We saw a family dinner once a week with our son. And we'll have conversations where I'm like, do you remember this? And she's like, no. I'm like, oh, my God, me neither. <laughs> like, I don't remember. You know, so I can't imagine do, having that. You know, what's your youngest? How old is your youngest? Uh, about nineteen months. So you got, you got, you're not sleeping yet. You're not, you're not sleeping through the night yet. So here's the, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Okay, I'm gonna let you in yeah. on a little secret. Yeah. <laughs> you ready? Buckle up, baby birds. Mama's gonna feed you. Mm. Okay. Okay. Number mm. one, they go to bed the exact same time every single night, unless party at the Gormley house. Right. In bed, gotcha. seven thirty. We do we read books at starting at seven, and then prayers, and then they go to bed, right? The girls, because they're older, they get to stay up and chit chat with each other till eight, but then lights out, they're in bed. The boys, we've now got the baby trained to to go to sleep, uh, but they go and they go in the room. Now there are some nights when they riot against all common sense and will refuse to sleep until ten or eleven, but most nights they will sleep. My one boy who's uh, three years old will wake up. He had, he had this thing for like two weeks. He'd wake up in the middle of the night, crawl into our bed, go to sleep, and then throughout the night proceed to turn sideways and then kick us both in the face and the head. Um, <sighs> you know, and that and that sort of woke me up, but not really. I would sleep through it. All my wife hates me. But uh, oh what we gosh. did, what we did is every time we would have another kid, I became responsible for the oldest one. So first it was my oldest, Katiri. Then we had uh, then we had uh, Cecilia, and I was just in charge of Kateri. Then I was in charge of the girls. And I to this day, if my girls, like, clear their throat, I can jump out of bed. But if the boy is, like, in the bed screaming, I'll sleep through it. It's kind of crazy. so yeah. weird. But once you get them trained on, that, on the schedule, my wife, she's like, we will adhere to a schedule. And I was like, yes, Fraulein. And that's what we did. <laughs> that's what we did. And it, I'm just – I'm not a schedule person, bro. I am not either. I mean, That's why I got married. Like, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, my life is very regimented on the road because you know yeah. you you get into the swing of things. Nine forty-five is when you go on stage. Eleven thirty is when you eat dinner, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. everything other than that is just whatever the hell I want to do. Yeah. Um, you know, so with my I, I you know my ex-wife and I, that's the only thing we don't see eye to eye on now is is she has a very early morning. Um, takes the kid to school at like eight o'clock or seven thirty, And I'm like, when I'm home, I'm like, yeah, we'll be there at 10. You know, maybe, <laughs> maybe, I, I don't I kinda know. I kind of think that if, <laughs> if, um, I have kids, so like we just have a dog right right now, but if, but if I have kids, it would kind of be like that. Like, yeah, you know, we're gonna, um, uh, I started to watch, uh, agents of shield and it's finally got good after like season four. So we're going to hang out for like a little bit longer and, uh, kind of see what happens. You'll go to school e- eventually. It's fine. My, you know, growing up, my parents were kind of, my parents were kind of loose like that, um, in, in terms of scheduling. And I, I guess I turned out okay, or maybe I inherited their awful scheduling habits, which is why <laughs> I'm, you know, it's eight thirty at night, and my kid's still awake, running around the house. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't know, man. I think that it's it's different strokes for different folks. You know. Yeah. 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 So I, I mean. It's great. It is crazy, but and and I will admit, 
going anywhere is the worst experience ever. You're like, okay, let's load up the minivan. Oh, all of the seats are now taken with uh, car seats. Okay, every single one of them. Okay, uh, so that's that's. Do you find? Hmm? Do Go you on. find? Do you find this? I don't know if you. Maybe I, I want to know the answer to this question from a from a Catholic mind. Yeah. So growing up at home, you know, like everyone gets married in the South where I'm from super young. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I have a I have a friend who got married at 16. Oh, had his first child at 17. He's now 40 years old and happily married still to the same woman. Wow. Um. Mm. I have so many friends that are 25 with three kids, you know, when I was 25 Mm -hmm. with no kids, you know, um, and I, the best I can deduce and what I believe is the reason that you have that is because people just wanted to have sex, Mm -hmm. you know, so they got married in growing up in a Christian home. We all know you don't have sex before you get married. That's what we were taught. Um, so do, do you think it's the same, uh, for you? Growing up, was it like, oh, you got to get, get married so you can screw and get your rocks off? Oh, look, you're 28 and you have 18 children. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And, um, and, 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 the, and the flip side to that question, which I think is probably more important, and I have this conversation all the time with Spencer, who's the singer in our band. Um, is it worse to do that? Are you going to screw your kids up because you're miserable when you're 33 and married to this girl you married when you were 20 years old? You don't even know if you like her. You know what I mean? Like, I have so many friends that are my age and divorced, not because something happened or because, you know, they gave it their college try and it fell apart, but because they had four children. No offense. I'm not saying you, but they had four (laughs) children. They hate their lives, right? They did it all for the cause of Christ. And now they've got kids they're going to inevitably screw up, you know, through their disgusting, formidable divorce. So, yeah, there's my question to sure you. Well, no. whoever wants to answer i think um i'm gonna take a stab at this you probably have different um gum will probably have another answer but i think it's um i think that is part of it so at our school like we're just like one of those bible colleges where like half the girls are there to get their mrs a degree or like that's like the big stereotype you know and i remember going sure. there at 18 and this guy uh, proposed to his to his girlfriend and everyone's like oh isn't that like awesome and i i was so appalled by because i'm like you're 22 why are you getting engaged now that's absurd it just that just it just didn't that didn't make a lot i just didn't really understand that so i but so i do think there is some aspect of like we're just really horny and i just gotta do this but i think there i think there is a like thing to this idea of we're going to make this choice and we're going to make this work. But I've also like, we've like, we have seen it not work also, you know? So I think it's, um, I don't think that the Christian culture helps sometimes when it puts such, because there's like such an, there's this huge emphasis on you just have to be married because that's what you do. That's where you find you. And if you find your acceptance in, in, in like in that and not through Christ, that's where problems happen. So sure. I think it's kind of a mixed bag. I, I, don't, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, for me, I mean, I got married when I was like 27, 28. 
so I didn't get married right out of college. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, we dated for years and broke up for many times. But uh, that's because I'm a terrible dater. But um, when we finally got together, we had a kid. I mean, we got pregnant about a month or two months after we got married because we knew that that's what we wanted. Um, but I, I know, I wouldn't say that a lot of people want, they can't, they like literally, you know, it's like that quote from Paul, like get married to get married is better than to burn. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I think that might be a thing for a lot of people, but I think culturally, uh, you know, conservative churches or whatever are still very much locked in the model of you, you get your job and, or you, you know, you finish college and you get married and you start your family and you just all grow right there. And I think our culture now has shifted pretty quickly to, um, no, you still need to find yourself and you don't, you shouldn't even think about getting married until you're in your thirties and having kids, you know, for women, obviously they got a, they got, they do have a time clock there, but you know, for a lot of people, uh, are they're now caught between these two things where it's like, well, I don't even know who I really am. And, you know, there's a lot of delay sure. in, in that regard. So I felt like I knew who the hell I was and I was ruggedly handsome dating a very beautiful woman. And so I wanted to marry her, but I, it wasn't ruggedly. Rugged, well, <laughs> there's nothing rugged about my soft pudgy body, but, uh, um, <laughs> but, but no, I mean, I don't, I, I waited eight years of dating her. So I don't think it was, uh, I was going to have uh, virginal conniptions anytime soon. So, I mean, yeah, I, that's uh, it's so interesting. I I feel like I feel like it's regional too. You know, oh, yeah. like w- w- where I'm from, everyone just got married at 19, and I got so many friends that are divorced with three kids and want to kill themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, not literally, but you know. Um, and then you know, in New York, you know, my manager, for instance, has been my manager since I was 17. He got married like. When he was 35, yeah. you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he has a newborn, he's 46, Yeah, you know? And yeah. I'm like, dude, if I had a newborn when I was 46, I would bury my <laughs> head in the sand or, or, you know, that's like, that's 12 years away from me. Or would I bury my head in the sand if that was my normal? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so what, I guess, you know, my main pain point on the whole thing is coming from a point of faith where people are doing this. So they don't have, they I, I feel like so many of them that I grew up with did it and got married because they wanted to have sex. I feel I like remember having a con- yeah, sorry, sorry. I remember having a conversation just saying, just have sex with her. Fuck it. Like, seriously, like, why are you going to drag each other through this miserable existence so you can have sex? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, which which one is worse than the other? You know, losing your salvation <laughs> because having having premarital sex or. Losing your salvation because you got a nasty divorce. Yeah, you know, like neither which neither which will make you lose your salvation. I'm I'm obviously grotesquely kidding, but yeah, yeah. We uh, I, I would say a lot of it for for people from our our college and stuff. The thing that drove them into it wasn't necessarily, you know, even bad marriage and stuff. It was idealizing the reality of marriage. Uh, the church through Pope John Paul II has a beautiful teaching called the Theology of the Body. Right, and it's an ongoing explanation of the beauty and the dignity of the body and of marriage and of creation and all that stuff. And so as Catholics, we were never taught that the body is dirty and disgusting and these are illicit desires, so let's just make it licit by getting married really quickly and then you know, then we're cool. I think for a lot of young people, they idealized what marriage is supposed to be. And you hear all these beautiful, flowery, theological, philosophical terms and expressions the the language of the body, the logic of the gift, and all these different things. 
and you idealize it to the point of unreality. And then when you realize, oh, my gosh, I'm waking up next to this mouth breather, Shannon, uh, that you <laughs> struggle with, uh, that you, you then can't match reality with the image in your head, and then you're just miserable. Uh, so for us in the Catholic Church, we've had these things called pre-cana classes and sponsor couples and all of this stuff where you cannot get married in the Catholic Church unless you go through very practical like this is what marriage is really like. Wake up, kind of. Teaching. This is what it's going to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I. I just always. I. I. You know. It was. It was cool for me to ask and hear your guys' answers because I've so. Yeah. For so many years, oh, sure. that's been mm-hmm. such such a question of mine. And, and to get two Catholic dudes on the phone that are interested in my music career and be able to ask them whatever I want is kind of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> seriously. You know. Yeah. Have at it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right on. No, so like we are, um, we are like currently at um, yeah. at the hour mark. So I want to say thank you. This has been really cool. Yeah, I no, it. I thought I think it was a it was a great conversation. You know, I think that uh, I just love people, man. You know, yeah. and that's precisely why I got into the business that I'm in. You know, in terms of making music a global thing and something that it's. I travel doing it. Obviously, I can do it because I love music. But on, on the on the on the traveling level, on the business level, I got into it because I love people, and I I have made so many mistakes in my life and said some dumb stuff. So it's it's fun. It's fun when you get, get a little older and you you get a couple of dudes from different walks of life and you can kind of have a conversation about everything. So I, I think what you guys are doing is really rad. Um, and I think you should just keep going. I'm definitely going to be a listener now. Um, <laughs> well, thanks, so. Good good luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're going to, you will die next Wednesday. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm like an, I'm an avid podcaster, list, nice. podcast listener, like treadmill every day. Um, yeah, there's such, there's such great ones out there now. And this right. is really, this is really super interesting. Um, and you can use me as a reference when you try to get more musicians on. Nice. Well, <laughs> tomorrow, tomorrow I'm driving down to Houston uh, with a backpack. So about this. I know, with a backpack full of recording equipment to record an interview with uh, Aaron Weiss of Me Without You. Yeah. And yeah. We just uh, they're they're coming on our um, they're coming on our European tour with us uh, in the spring. That's awesome! Wow, yeah. I didn't know that. That's awesome. That's yeah, actually, he's, yeah. I'm really mad about that. I'm just going to throw it yeah. out there. So really this, mad. this was cool. Luke's band that he introduced to me that I fell in love the, with. This is what the, ty- the yeah. our, our show is named after one of their albums, yeah. Yeah, Catch yeah, yeah. Us, The Foxes. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and so, yeah. And so it's so funny that – so we arranged this thing because uh, there was a listener of our show, uh, Deacon Colin, and he reached out to them. And they in Aaron responded, and he's like, I'd love to be on your show. What do I need to do? And then it all kind of snowballed into, well, the only one that can actually do it is is Gomer down in Houston when you're doing your show. So tomorrow I, I'm supposed to be at a, a prison ministry thing, and instead I'm going to a concert. Uh, I'm very, ex- <laughs> very excited about it. Is it are they, is, is they, are they on the Circuit Survive tour still? Yep. That's he a, doesn't even know be, who they are. That'll be right that'll be a huge that'll be a huge show. That'll be fun, dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's I'm, cool. Well, thanks, for, dude. Thanks for doing this and having me. I'm uh, super stoked. Had a great time. Really appreciate it. Oh, sure, right. of course, man. Yeah. Luke, yeah. Luke, Luke's gonna have to come down off this cloud because <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted to embarrass Luke go. tonight, but he has thick skin. Yeah. That's so, so, take that, Goldman. All right. <laughs> 
Have a good night, Aaron. Yeah, God bless you guys. Take care. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.